Welcome to See Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Heather Vickery and Brave is my business. I've been an entrepreneur almost all of my adult life. I learned very quickly that while I worked well with other people, I didn't work well for other people. So I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. And yet still, about nine years ago, 10 years ago, I had this huge upheaval transformation in my life where I came out of the closet. Mm-hmm. I got a divorce. I burned my whole life, including my very successful business to the ground and rebuilt it on my own terms. Mm-hmm. And from there, I embraced this idea of making brave choices, which does not mean there is an absence of fear. Fear is a natural, normal human emotion. We have it. We feel it. Sometimes it saves our lives. So this idea of an attempt to be fearless, embracing my fears and saying, okay, what can we do anyway? Let's, let's just show up. And so now I am a success and leadership coach, podcaster, author, keynote speaker, and I help people imagine, dream, design, build, elevate their lives and their businesses to be something that they are in love with instead of something that they just do or they just experience. And we do that by embracing bravery. You have four daughters. My youngest is nine. My oldest is 17. Oh, okay. And when did you come out and divorce your husband? How many years ago? Coming out and getting a divorce were two different things. I came out and tried really hard to try to make it work because you don't get married to get divorced, even when it's the right choice. And I I wanted to try everything possible to not do that. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I'm not bi, I'm gay. (laughs) And it's not about sex, right? It's about so many other things. And I have this epiphany moment where I was sitting at the breakfast table with all of my girls and I just felt miserable. I felt small. Talk about fear-based. Everything I did was what will be the least scary, what will cause the less trauma for everyone else, blah, 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 blah. And then I looked at my kids and I thought, what would I tell them? Mm -hmm. If they came to me in a similar situation, what is the advice I would give them? And I knew in that moment that I would say to them, go out and own the world, go out and be you. The world is counting on you. You deserve this. And I, I realized if I wanted that for them, I had to do it for myself. So when that happened, the oldest was about eight and the baby was baby, like a little baby. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was crazy. And it was a multi-year process, truly yeah. multi-year process to to unravel all of that. I'm not sure I get what you mean that it's not just sex. I mean, you know, you're gay, but you didn't know you were gay and now, you know, so just, will you just explain that a little bit? I'll do my very best. It's not just an easy one-liner thing to explain. A lot of folks know early, they know right away. And when I look back on the signs, I'm like, oh, I missed that. If I'd found the lesbians in college, maybe my story would be different, but (laughs) I didn't. And there was definitely attraction there. But the best way I can explain it is women love one another. Women love to talk about one another, the way they look, how sexy they are, how pretty they are. They want to emulate them. And I was not able until I was in my late 30s to discern the difference from the way that felt inside of me to the way it would feel inside of you to see a woman and go, oh my God, she's so pretty or she's so hot. 
Um, that feels different to me than it does to you, but I didn't realize that until it became so apparent. I'm like, oh, that's different. I've had lots of um, gay male friends. I didn't know a lot of gay women until I started to come out. And at that moment, I started to pay closer attention. Closer attention was the best I could do. Mm -hmm. It isn't cut and dry. It isn't nearly as simple or easy as one might think that it is. I had a girlfriend once say that she likes men, but she wishes they would say, oh, where'd you get that shower curtain? Be a girlfriend is what she was saying. She wishes the men she liked were more like girlfriends. (laughs) It's about connection, companionship, and what feels right to you. We're talking about facing your fears. Mm -hmm. I don't like to speak publicly. There's a Seinfeld joke that says, so people are so afraid of speaking in public that at a person's funeral, they would rather be in the casket than give the eulogy. How do you show somebody to face your fear? How do you discover what the fear is? The real question is, do you know what you're afraid of? Public speaking is a great example because it is actually terrifying for me as well. And I'm a professional (laughs) keynote speaker. Okay, that's good to know. The work that I do is in pulling back the layers and dialing in on what it is we're actually afraid of. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually afraid of using my voice and speaking words while I stand on a stage. I'm afraid of looking foolish. I'm afraid people won't like me. I'm afraid I don't have anything valuable to share, right? And so we take what those honest fears are and we break them down and we look at what happens if I do look foolish? Mm -hmm. What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I don't have a career in this. Is there a best case scenario? And maybe the best case scenario, and I've made a fool of myself lots of times, is the people who are watching say, oh, you're human just like me and you do really cool things. And sometimes you mess it up and that makes me feel seen. And so I want more of what you have to offer. So there's always a best case scenario and a worst case scenario. And then there's usually a more likely what, you know, what's likely to happen. And the more you practice, the more you do anything, the more brave you can become, the easier something is, you know, all of that. Yeah. I call bullshit on what most people think their initial fear is. The thing that you think you're afraid of is probably not really the thing you're afraid of. And so we really just take those things apart and talk very honestly and vulnerably about what is in the way. I do subscribe a little bit to the, um, if it is scary, do it. it's a good sign. The only difference physiologically in excitement and fear is whatever you mentally assign to it. Physically, your body feels exactly the same way. So you've got to decide, am I afraid of that or am I excited about it? And it feels terrifying. My work is really around embracing what I call everyday bravery. And so some days for some people that might be posting on social media, for some people it's choosing to get out of bed or eating an apple instead of the bag of chips, or maybe it's eating the bag of chips instead of the apple, right? Like if you, whatever your struggles are, that's the Mm -hmm. thing is there's no judgment. And we have opportunities hundreds, maybe even thousands of times a day to make choices that feel brave to us. And what I have discovered through my self-work and work with my clients is that when we make choices and we can attach, oh, that, that feels brave to me right now, we start to choose more things that feel brave. Mm-hmm. And the more you step into making brave choices, the more you have bigger wins, bigger payoffs, 
and the people around you start to catch it. It's a little bit contagious. Is there a common fear that you deal with besides the obvious of public speaking? Yeah, I think what I've come up against most is people self-limit themselves. I know a lot of really beautifully ambitious, and I use that word in, in all of the positive ways, folks, but they put parameters around that ambition because someone might think that they're too greedy or that they're too cocky or that it might take away from their family. Other people are going to think and do whatever they want, but we are our highest selves and our most successful selves. And we don't put parameters around our ability to achieve, but we approach it with a state of curiosity. Hmm, What could happen if I chose to build this thing or sell this thing or try this thing and set boundaries around it so that I can still take care of my family if that's important or, Mm -hmm. you know, have time for myself or whatever you want it to be. It's really a magical opportunity to stretch yourself and be open-minded and see what happens. Often we can prove those limiting voices wrong simply by showing up and seeing then what the result is. I am 54 and I just did coaching with this lovely lady. And the very last session I had, we were talking about the limits I put on myself about my rates. We did this thing where I went back to the first time I can picture being a little girl and feeling stupid. Mm, Yeah. And when we first started that conversation, that feeling was really strong. Like I was like, no doubt I was stupid as a little kid. But by the end of that session, I totally changed my thoughts on that um, because I had no proof. Yeah. That's what I'm like, wait, but by whose definition were you stupid? I had no proof except that I believed it. And so much so that I had a dark room in high school. I loved photography. I mean, it was my passion. And out of college, I was going to go into photography. And I went to um, a photo studio in Miami to apprentice. And I let my fears stand in the way that I was not smart enough to learn lighting. Mm. And it wasn't until two years ago at 52 instead of 22 that I got into photography professionally. So talk about letting your fears and your beliefs stand in your way. And the belief was not... Well, why do you think it let you stop you for 30 years? One of the things I was telling myself that I heard, you know, when I went back was my sister was the gifted kid and I was the stupid kid. I was very close in age to my sister and they would always ask her, like, what is Hara like? They never even talked to me. So that's one of the things I thought was... There's no proof I was stupid. There was no opportunity to prove I was smart or stupid. So I let that story of I'm the dumb one rule my life for most of my life. It's really fascinating. And that word choice is so interesting. I think a lot of older siblings speak for their younger siblings. There's a big leap from that to because I didn't get to speak, I'm dumb. So there's a lot going on in the middle there. Yeah. But I would say that anytime. Oh, I see. We let a fear keep us from something that we're passionate about for the length of time that you did. It is probably simply because you had never either been able to or allowed yourself to imagine the possibility on the other side. We cannot dream of something we've never imagined. But if you were the one who didn't get the center stage, didn't get asked the questions, wasn't challenged in those ways to step up into who you were, you wouldn't have anything to see yourself as.
one boyfriend used to say, the world is unfolding as it should. And I used to always think, what a freaking cop out, man. Do what I want you to do. But now that I'm older, I'm like, he was so smart. That is so true. <laughs> it is true. I mean, it, it can also be a cop out. Like you can be like, oh, I'm not going to do the dishes now because the world is unfolding as it should. Like get up and do your dishes. <laughs> we started this little interview a little bit late because I got pre-sale, pre-sale, early, early access to Harry Styles tickets to take my daughters to the concert. And I said, listen, I have to push back. I've got to be ready. And I screwed up. And I bought one ticket and not the eight that I was supposed to buy. I didn't realize it until I'd done it because I was trying to hurry, A, not to lose my tickets and B, to get back here with you, even though I remember looking and I had six and a half minutes left to make sure I had the right thing. But instead I rushed and I made what could be a really bad mistake. And I feel a lot of feelings about it, but I've been doing a lot of self-compassion work in the last several years. And just in this time frame, I went, I got back into the, pre-sale queue. And by the time I went in, there were, I kid you not, zero tickets left. I couldn't not get eight. I couldn't get any. There were no tickets anywhere, not even the bad ones. And then I thought, you know what? There are four more shows. I've signed up for pre-sale access to all of them. I didn't say the world unfolds as it should, but I was like, this will work out fine. Yeah, This will work out as it should. The universe has my back on this for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is, but it's going to be okay. And I talk myself through that. I want to be really clear that this brave work, this self-compassion work, this mindset work, it doesn't mean I don't have all those issues. It just Mm -hmm. means that I move through them a little bit more rapidly than somebody who hasn't done this work. And I help folks do that as well. And I often have to go, hold on, slow down, because I still am feeling panic, physical panic. I can feel it from the top of my throat all the way down through my chest into my stomach like an actual ache that I made this mistake because it was so important to my kids. And they knew, they knew I was doing this today. And so when I picked them up from school, I have to say, I I could choose to say, oh, the tickets were gone, but I'm going to choose to tell them the truth. Yeah. I rushed and I didn't pay attention and I made a mistake, but I will find a way to fix this. I love that. I don't know why that the lie feels easier when the truth is so much better. The truth, what you said was so much better than that they were sold out. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we don't. Well, I do know what you mean, but it is just what we talked about before, because I don't want to let them down. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be embarrassed. But what I want to do more than any of those things is normalize my children rushing and making mistakes because we do that. Right. A, it might help them slow down. And B, when they screw up, they're going to hopefully hear, we'll figure something else out and it'll be fine. Yeah, I love that. You have written a book or more than one book? I have two gratitude journals out, which is part book and then functioning gratitude journal. One is for adults. It's called Shift Your Focus. And the second one is for kids and families called Grow Grateful. And then my actual book that's out that hit the best-selling charts on 10 different categories is really exciting, including women in business, which was mind-blowing to me, uh, is called Fuck Fearless, Making the Brave Leap. And I share my coaching strategy, the brave method that Mm -hmm. I've used for my life and myself in order to help people problem solve, dream, design, build, and then actually live a life that they fucking love. And if they're an entrepreneur where their business fits into their life, 
instead of cramming your life around your business, which is a very old school way of thinking. And it, it doesn't work. We've seen it not work and it doesn't have to be like that. Do you help people one-on-one or group coaching or yeah. how's that work? Great question. Um, I take a, a very small handful of one-on-one clients per year because they take a lot of time and commitment. It's an eight month program. If somebody is really, really ready to like really, really go hard, then maybe a, a one-on-one program is for them. The other ways that I do that is I do VIP days. So we get together for usually four to six hours, either in person here where I am just outside of Chicago, or we do it via Zoom. And we work on one particular growth element, one thing that you really want to create, shift, change, start, do all of that. And we peel back all the things that are in your way, all those stories that you told yourself why you can't start a photography business, all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then we make it an actionable plan with steps and roadmaps and you can go forth and start doing right away. And then we do a follow-up call a month later to check in and see how things are going. And then I'm a community builder and it's something I'm really, really passionate about. Every once in a while, I'll do a small group program, but I also have um, the Brave Circle, which is a membership community for coaches, consultants, or strategists, or anybody. If you help other people elevate themselves or live their best lives in any way possible, then it's a good fit for you. And it's game-changing because we do not often have the community that we need. We're the givers of it all the time. We are the people who are helping others see their light. And we don't have folks helping us see the light. And we don't have this adoring crowd of people who are ready to question us, push us, hold us accountable, support us, hold us, all of those things. And so that's what the Brave Circle does with a lot of other things. We do quarterly goal planning and dreamscaping and a bunch of other really cool things. But it is just really designed to elevate your life experience as an entrepreneur in those spaces. Where else in your life have you been brave? (laughs) I feel like almost everywhere. It's something I've really worked hard to challenge myself to do. Brave is an acronym when I talk about the BRAVE method and it's boundaries, what I call the three R's, reassessment, reframing, resilience, action, accountability, vulnerability, and then the result is expansion and empowerment. And the three R's, that reassessment, that reframing, that space. So where I go, why do I feel this way? Good or bad? What is it that brought me here? Do I want this? Do I not want this? Is it serving me? Is it not serving me? What can I do differently? How do I want to feel in this space? When I ask myself those questions and I'm super honest about the experience, then I'm being brave. And if I then take action on whatever has shown up for me, I'm showing up brave. Lately, the bravest things I have been doing are in the space of surrender and listening. Mm -hmm. What is the universe bringing to me? Resting is one of the bravest things that I think anyone, particularly a woman can do because we are not conditioned to rest and take time for ourselves and really prioritizing that. So I try to show up brave as much as I can. You know, I'm human like everybody else. And so sometimes I push through my partner will laugh at me or like shake her head and be like, whatever, you have the tools to get yourself out of this. And to be fair, I don't want anyone to be brave and forget or pretend they don't have other feelings. To me, this is all about being honest. And sometimes I just want to be mad or feel a little petty or stew in it for a minute. And you can do that. Feel all your feelings, own all of those feelings, but don't judge them. 
own right. them. They exist. They don't define you. They don't mean anything other than the fact that they exist and go, oh, what do I, oh, oh, I'm being petty or I'm being angry. Hmm. What do I want to do about that? Maybe it's nothing or maybe it's something. Part of this really brave work is successful when we embrace a really powerful gratitude practice. I have written two gratitude journals. The book portion talks about the science behind gratitude, how it's changed my life, how different ways you can embrace it. But I would say if you are new to any of this, the lowest hanging fruit is to just start a gratitude practice because once you are aware of what you're grateful for and why, you'll start to step into your bravery just naturally. You'll want more of it. You'll seek more of it. I visited my daughter at her new house that she's renting in Calgary. And I came home and I was just so grateful for my house. And my sister asked why, what was, and I don't know. I just was so grateful for the things I have, but I don't know why. So you really want to find out why. Why does why matter? Positive psychology teaches us that gratitude, including knowing the why, absolutely rewires your brain. You can do an MRI before you start a gratitude practice and then three months later and physically see that you are happier, healthier, have more joy, less stress, less anxiety, less depression. Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating. The reason that you want to tap into the why is so that you can replicate mm -hmm. whatever got you there. Also finding the why connects you with the world at large. Now tell me again, what your daughter's house and what the gratitude was. Say it again. I just was grateful for the street that I live on. I was grateful for the house that I have and all my things in it. I was grateful for, even though normally I'm like, the layout's bad. I want to move. I was like, nope, I feel so happy here. Mm, there's your why. I see. You feel happy there. And my guess is there's more of a why. Maybe you like your neighbors. Maybe there's this one tree you can see out your window. Oh, there is a And tree. it makes you smile. Right? Like <laughs> those are the why. Because I see. I see that and I feel connected to nature or because I love my friends down the street or it's a nice quiet street and it makes me feel peaceful, whatever. Those are your whys. I see. There is a tree that when I sit on my deck that dances in the summer breeze and boy, does it make me happy, those leaves. <laughs> it makes me happy is a really good why. So you do it again. You replicate the behavior. For me, sunspots make me happy, especially, especially in the winter. So I sort of chase the sunspots in my house and I'll sit there for a few minutes. Even if I'm scrolling on my phone or if I'm reading a book or a couple minutes of solitude, I seek them out because the sun makes me happy. I've only heard about the gratitude journals and never about the why. So thank you for that. You're welcome. The gratitude journals are available on Amazon. The book, Fuck Fearless, is available everywhere. Um, and if you buy it from me on my website, you have to pay shipping. So I'm not Amazon, but I will personalize it. I will sign it and personalize it for you. So if that's worth it, you can do that. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of See Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thanks for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned. <laughs>